Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Amen. Powerful song, powerful. The Bible says that man was just created out of the dust. And there he was. No life, no blood, no flow, no heartbeat, no nothing. Until God breathed into that dust and gave him the breath of life. And that same breath is what continues down to today. The breath that we have, it didn't start because of our moms. It started because of God in the garden, breathing life. And this morning, he wants to bring life into our bodies this morning. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Can we just thank them? I know they don't do it for us, but man... I love coming into an environment like this with God's people just singing with all of our hearts and just asking God to speak to us. Well, thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. My name is Micaiah, and I'm the pastor here at the church, and we just want to welcome you. We are thrilled that you're here, and on your way in, one of our amazing greeters. I love our greeters. I love everybody, but our greeters just have a special place in my heart, and uh, they should have given you something like this, a little packet, a little welcome. It's got notes, a pen. It's got an invite card so you can invite somebody else to the church. It's got a giving envelope. But one of the most important things it has is a little card, and we call it our Connect card, all right? And so if you're a first-time guest or you're a regular attender, this is our line of communication with you, all right? We're still in this modern age, a little bit old school. We have this card, and this is how we stay connected. So if you are going through something and you need prayer, put it on the card. You want to join a ministry? Put it on the card. You've received Christ as your Savior need to get baptized? Let us know using the card. Uh, maybe this is your first time or your second time. Let us know. Fill out the card. Then at the end of the service, when we worship the Lord through our tithes and offerings, because right now we're singing, we're lifting our hearts to God, but we're also receiving. And when we receive, we want to give. And so the offering is our chance to give back to God. And so if you're a guest, we don't want anything from you but this card. That's all we want. You fill out that card, all right? You don't feel obligated to do anything else. Fill out the card, drop it in the offering basket. And then one of our leaders will follow up with you. And what's really cool is they're going to bring a gift to your house. And uh, so you put in the address. We incentivize that. And so it's really cool. We got a gift for you. It's going to be uh, great to stay connected. So fill out that card. And we're glad you're here. Another way you could stay connected is you can scan the QR code and you can download the Southridge app. And uh, that way you can, if you don't want to fill out the sermon notes, you can do it through the app. You can find out events. You can listen to sermons. You can go through all kinds of great stuff via the app. You can download that. Well, I'm grateful you're here. I'm excited what God's going to do today in our services. But today is a different type of service because I want to give our church a formal update on the building progress. So I'm going to start off with just really looking back at what our theme for the year is. And it's taken from the book of Romans. And it has to do with this idea that we believe beyond what we can see. Because the Bible talks about in, in, in Romans chapter number four that Abraham believed God, even though he was way too old to be having kids, he believed God. Even though he couldn't see it, he believed that God was going to come through. And so that's our theme for the year, that we, we're believing beyond what we can see. And we have to. That is called faith. And God operates in faith. I'll tell you this. Fear and faith both take the same space in your heart. Did you know that? Fear and faith reside in the same spot in your heart and in mine, just not at the same time. Let me say it again because that needs to sit with you for a moment. Fear and faith reside in the same spot, but not at the same time. So here's the question. Which one's in your heart this morning? Fear or faith? And it's okay if you say, actually, it's fear. It's anxiety. I don't know what's going to happen. That's why we come to church. That's why we open our Bibles and say, God, that fear is there. Remove it. Get it out. I need faith. And so we are believing. And so let's look back on what God did in the year 2021. So the cool news is if you're new to the church or maybe you just started attending, in 2021, after seven and a half years of our church kind of doing the wilderness wandering, I told somebody yesterday that in eight years of ministry, our church has been at 13 different locations. And that's a lot. That's a lot, you know, and that just speaks to you and how God has just allowed you to stay faithful. And uh, thank you for being faithful. But in 2021, uh, here's what God did through you. First of all, in May 2021, we purchased 
this land. Six acres on Piercy Road. Six acres. That is awesome. Now, anytime I tell somebody that our church bought six acres in the Silicon Valley, their jaw drops and hits the floor. We were in Florida that last year, and we told a pastor, and he knows some other churches here, and he's like, I can't believe you got six acres of land. I said, yeah, it's a God thing. And uh, so that's how, uh, what happened. And here's the best part. The land was listed for $1,350,000. Uh, $1, and so uh, we made an offer on the land. Our real estate agent said, hey, this land came up. And within 24 hours of the land coming on sale, we were already submitting an offer because we knew it was the right area where we wanted to be. South San Jose, six acres. So I love how Bernal turns into Silicon Valley Boulevard, which turns into Tenet, which turns into Piercy. All in less than a mile, one street, four different names. But that's where our land is, right on the corner. You can see the KB Home Development. Next door, there's a sign on it. So if you haven't seen it, just drive by after the services, and you will see our six acres. It's fairly mowed down. There's some things out there because we've had some work done on it that are in the entitlement phase, which I'll talk about. But here's what's cool. The, the, the owner bought the land for $1,450,000. He listed it at a loss of 100,000, but then we made an offer for $1,250,000. That was our offer, and then we seller financed it. So we only put uh, half the money down. The only reason he went for the deal is we said, hey, seller finance it over five years, you pick the interest rate, and we'll pay it. So he was like, oh, for five years, I'm gonna make more than my 100,000. So he saw it as a good deal. I just told our agent, I said, hey, but put a, uh, a clause that says there's no prepayment penalty put that in there. And, uh, you know, he was figuring like, hey, most people, they make the minimum payment on their credit cards. But here's the thing. My wife done taught me well. We don't make minimum payments. We just pay the whole thing off. All right. So eight weeks later, we paid it all off. And the guy was a little bit mad, a little bit salty. He was like, already? I was like, Sorry, you know, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna pay it all off cash. So we are debt-free and at our vision gala, we burned the note so the, the land is debt-free. And then we started what is called the entitlement phase. So many of you developers, you know entitlement phase when you're working with land, that, that was the, the entitlement phase started. So that was all the studies, everything that goes on. The, this is all the boring stuff. Like this is, nothing cool has happened yet. This is just, we're doing all the studies from the county and then we did a, um, uh, a pre-application with Santa Clara County because our land, though it's surrounded by San Jose City, it's actually Santa Clara County land. So we are going to be working with Santa Clara County. And so we did a pre-application. What that does is basically let them know we're going to be submitting a, for a building permit and uh, we just want you to know it's coming. Hey, right now, tell us so we're not surprised. Tell us what you're going to think that we're going to need to do and have ready. So they gave us a list during the entitlement phase. And so that's what we've been working forward toward. And then in December of last year, our church, you all, committed to raising $624,408, I think. I have the exact amount up there. But it's $624,308 in 2022. And we took in a one-time cash, $323,000 in December. So half of it already came in cash uh, in 2021. So that's a huge start to the building project. That was just awesome that we had paid off the land and we were kind of drained financially because we just said, hey, let's pay it off. And uh, I'm going to talk about this at the end, why it's so important that we raise cash. I'll, I'll, I'll explain. It's going gonna, it's gonna to dovetail in at the end. But it was exciting that the church family, even though we had bought the land, paid it off cash, you raised another 323000 and that's all the while where well, we saw the economy and everything just starting to change. People lost jobs. There was transition. So God's people, you all are incredible. That is awesome to see what God did through you. And then I think that was everything that happened in 2021. But in case you missed our vision gala, let me just show you a quick snapshot. And let's play a video real quick because I want you to just see what happens at our vision gala. It's a special night. I love that we get to dress up. I love that we get to come together. I love that we get to kind of look back on the year that God gave us. But then also, it's a night of vision. It's a night of faith. It's a night of faith building. Because we come to this night, not only just to look back over the year, but to look forward to the year that's to come. To look forward to what God wants to do. How God wants to build our faith. And really, this story began in 2013, where I told my wife I felt like we were called to plant a church. 
be be strong in the Lord and be courageous. Be bold because it's going to be a challenge. Working with the city, working with the county, it's going to be a challenge. I get to see really good churches and occasionally I can see a great church and you see good things. But to me, this is a God thing. gentlemen help me what does this note say right here the remaining balance that our church owes can anybody read that real quick we are debt free so we're going to burn the note Pledges is $624,308. So that's what God did in 2021. And that was an exciting year. I mean, all the while we were just coming out of the pandemic, just coming out of a lot of things. And uh, God just did some great things. But then in 2022, God did some more incredible things. Uh, our goal with that piece of property is to get annexed into the city of San Jose. So in February, we submitted an application, end of January, beginning of February, submitted an application to get annexed into the city of San Jose. Uh, this is a couple different reasons, because right now, if it stays in the county, we can't use city services. What does that mean? The biggest one is the septic. It's where the waste goes. Um, you know, uh, not to you know, get into it too much, but it's just better. It's cheaper if we can go into the use the city sewer because the city utility is right in the street in front of our land. So it's there. Uh, instead, building a septic tank system, just the design alone will be about a quarter million dollars just to design the system, just to design it. It's usually expensive because you have a larger building and uh, there's more waste to, to manage. And so it's just a unique challenge that the uh, company has. So we submitted. And then the city came back and they said, no, they, they broke their own guidelines and said, hey, this does not work with our general plan. Even though uh, when we talked to our lawyer, our lawyer was like, that's bogus because every requirement that the KB developer met, you meet. And so our lawyer's like, hey, look, you're gonna, this is going to happen. Uh, just keep pushing forward with the county, but eventually you're going to get this thing annexed into the city. That'll eventually happen. And then the lot across the street is also a city lot. That lot is worth about $5.5 million, same size lot, but they're just in the city where we're in the county. So immediately if we get annexed, none of the property values go up, but also we get into city services. So you pray for that. Pray that that'll happen because that, that's something that every couple of months we're just going to be hitting the city. Hey, we're back. We want to submit an application for annexation. And here's why we meet all the contingencies and the guidelines and everything. So I believe what Proverbs says, that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he wants it. And so I believe that God wanting us to be in the city would be a great thing for us. And so we can pray that way. The Bible says you have not because you... Amen. You ask not. So I'm letting the church family know, here's how you can ask. I know we got prayer warriors in this church. So here's how you can be praying. So uh, because the city said no, we are back into the county and we're just gonna push forward with building in the county. So originally at our Vision Gala, we said we were gonna do one large building because the economy of scale, it's cheaper to build four walls than eight walls, all right? It's just cheaper, okay? And so we were gonna build that. The county came back and they have what's called a line of sight from the valley floor. I don't know if any of you know what that means because I don't know what it means. Our architect didn't know what it means. Our civil didn't know what it means. And then the county planner didn't really know what it means. But this is what they told us. The building's roof can't be higher than 12 feet. Otherwise, we double count it. Now, that's, you know, you're like, what is that? All that it means is we wanted to put a second story in the building. Well, that means to do that, a 5,000 square foot building uh, with a 20 foot 24 foot high ceiling, they would say that's a 10,000 square foot building where the city would not. So we're having to work with the county a little bit. It's a little bit frustrating. So I originally showed you, and I'm going to pull up this picture of what our original plan was. And if you could show this, it just shows a picture of the building. That's a solid building with parking lot. That was our original plan. Well, now I actually am grateful that the county came back because this is what it'll look closer to. Can you show the next picture? It'll be a two building system. Now here's what's good about this. 
our uh, project manager came back and said, here's what's good about it, because now you can do a phased approach. Um, I'm just going to say it right now. I believe God wants us to build this, and I believe he wants us to do it debt-free, okay? So I know it's going to be millions of dollars. I know it's going to be a big step of faith, but I don't believe God wants us to go into crazy debt so we can't do kingdom ministry in the city of San Jose. So our prayer, and this is where we can start praying now, is God, we want to, when, when we get our CUP, our conditional use permit, that we can occupy this building, that it be paid off. That's what we need to pray towards. And so we're praying that God, when this is built, it'll, to your glory, that'll be done. So what you'll see two pads there. The first, the larger pad is what we'll start with the first. That'll actually be our children's and educational wing. But we're going to temporarily look at utilizing the gym as our auditorium. And then as we outgrow and raise more funds, then we'll build the second building, which will be the sanctuary. It'll just be a lobby, restroom, sanctuary. That's all that second building will be. And by that time, Lord willing, we'll be in the city. The city will allow us to develop 70% of our land, where the county doesn't even want us to develop more than 25% of our land. So uh, there's a lot of things, and it takes some time, but I'm giving you just the update. And this is just what we're planning towards. Uh, we hired on a project manager because now we're kind of finishing up entitlement phase. So here's where you can uh, pray for Okay, here's, here's really what is next, all right? So we want to submit an application to build in August, September. That's our goal. RFPs have gone out. Our architects, civil, they're getting our MEP, everything back to us. If you want to know what those stand for, ask somebody smarter than me. Um, but th- that's all, everything the, the project manager and the architect's telling me. So we want to submit for a building permit September 22nd. This is on our project schedule, that that's when we're going to submit. So you pray as September comes around that we can submit for our building permit. Then pray that in March uh, that we will get approval, March 2023, that we will get approval from the county to build. And then in August of 2023 that we can begin construction and then in October 2024, we will have a completed church building. Now, that seems like a long way off, right? But here's my agreement to you. I believe that God has called me here for the next 25, 30 years. So I'll be here. And I'm going to see this through. And I'm going to ask you to do the same. I know it's two years. I know that seems like, oh, man, there's a church right like I could throw a rock at a church that already got a building and they're not asking you us to raise millions of dollars. I know you can. You could throw a rock behind us and hit another church. Um, yeah, there's other ones you can go to. But here's what I actually want to tell you. If you talk to pastors in this area, ask them, when's the last time a church plant bought land and built a building that you can remember in your lifetime? And none of them can tell you when. What you get to do is groundbreaking in Silicon Valley. Think about it. If you are from the South or if you're from anywhere but California, you'll realize most of the country doesn't like California, all right? <laughs> and, and we're what everybody complains about. And so we have an opportunity to do something that this city doesn't really want, the county doesn't really want. I'll talk to city planners, and they don't really want a church. They just don't want it. But we can establish a beachhead, a place where we can say, you know what, for the next generation to come, here's a church building that God can do so much. And I believe that this six acres, though it's a little bit small, I believe we're going to outgrow it. And to the, really the uh, north of us is 34 acres, I believe we're going to get. I already asked about the 10 acres across the street and I asked that guy, he said, yeah, $10 million and it's yours. And so I'm just believing that God's going to, over time, allow us to keep acquiring this because I want you guys to have a Christian school that our church can subsidize so your kids can go to the Christian school, subsidize so you're not having to pay. I heard to go to Valley Christians, $28,000 a year. I don't know about you, but I, it's like, do I want a house or do I want my kids to get educated? You know, it's like, I will homeschool. Brian and Kim, help me out. You know, I mean, it's like you're, you're having to make these decisions and not just that. You see there's a uh, uh, fentanyl epidemic. We need to have a men's home, a women's home. We need to have a place of ministry. We need to have a community center. We need to have these things because it's not just a church people come to on Sunday. And it's a beautiful building that's only used one day a week. No, no, we need to see bigger than that. We need to see that God doing so much more. And it's not that we want to be big for big sake. It's that we're the type of church that's going to make a difference. And so I believe that we can build this. I believe we can do it over time. And I'm willing to stick through and stay here and see it through to its completion. I'm asking you to do the same. I'm asking you to say, hey, if he'll stay 25 years, I'll be here. I'll, I'll, I'll stay there in the fight with him. And 
the good thing about doing that phased approach, the first building, we're going to design the pad, have the pad ready to go. It'll cost about six and a half million dollars. All right. So here's what we have in the bank. Okay. That's six and a half million. That's a lot. But honestly, in this valley, I know people that that's their house. They, they bought a six and a half million dollar house, you know, Los Altos, you know. So, so this area, God's got the money. It's, it's not in my wallet or maybe not in your wallet, but it's in somebody's wallet in this valley and God's gonna work away. Uh, we're gonna see God spoil the Egyptians and he's gonna build this building because we believe this is the next step for our church. And so it's exciting. We're right here at Base of Operations. We're growing. That's exciting. And so we're believing that God's gonna do great things. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to start praying and saying, God, we need to raise six and a half million dollars. Say, how much do we have right now? In our building fund currently, here's the exciting thing. We set a goal to raise in December $624,000. That was our goal. We hit our goal and we've exceeded our goal as of February of 2022. So we, four months in advance, already met our goal. So let's just thank God for that. Here's what's also great. You know, when you send out these studies for the environmental study, the, the septic study, for all these things, that costs money. We've been doing work and raising money. So already God has allowed us to exceed our goal. And we have right now in the building fund cash that is earning interest. We have $654,000. That's what's sitting cash in the building fund. Now here's what's great. The infinite wisdom of our trustee said we need a reserve fund. Our reserve fund has $350,000. That's not our general. So we have our general. We operate out of our general but then we also have our building fund, which is in a special interest-bearing account. So that's making us $30 a day. Yes, all right? So that's like three Starbucks every day that it's making us, okay? So that's exciting, all right? Uh, that's a lesson of life. Your money should be making you money, okay? Don't just set it in chase. Put it somewhere where it's making you money. And then we have our long-term savings. So if worse comes to worse, and we have another pandemic where we can't gather, we can't meet, we can't give, uh, we can kind of write that out a little bit. But I want to thank you for your generous giving. God is using you. Now, we're going to apply for grants. We're going to apply for things uh, that, that just will give us money to build. But here's what I need you praying is, God, would you help us raise that money, six and a half million dollars? God, would you allow us to get it before the building's completed? And God, would you help us keep growing? I don't want to have a building where it's just a bunch of Christians and we do a holy kumbaya. If we're not seeing lost people saved, baptized, and discipled, let's not do it. Okay? If we're, not, if we're just thinking, hey, we got a nice little place, we don't need to reach people. No, no, no. We are all about reaching the people that aren't here. So this building is for our kids and our grandkids, but it's also for the person who's not in this room yet. And we need to keep our eyes on that prize that we exist to lead people to find and follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, there's an update on the building. I have a message for you. So take your Bible to Psalms 127. Psalms 127. And if I didn't answer your questions, you can find me uh, in the lobby, or you can email, or you can call me. Uh, all advice, input is welcome, except if you want to pick the colors for the building. That is not needed. We, that's where church splits happen. People fighting over the color of the carpet and the color of the building. But let's go into the Word this morning. We don't have a lot of time, but I, I think this is so important for us to spend a little time in God's Word. And I'm going to kind of be all over scriptures today. But let's start in Psalms 127. And we're going to get to just two verses. But before we get there, have you ever been frustrated by your faith? You say, what do you mean frustrated by your faith? Have you ever been praying and praying and asking God and begging God and nothing's coming through? Like, you don't even know if God's listening. Have you ever been seeking God for an answer, wanting to see him break through and give you a miracle and nothing's happening? Have you ever just spent time just agonizing like, God, why is this happening to me? Why do bad things happen? Why, why, why do I see everybody else getting blessed, but I'm not getting blessed? Or you're just frustrated by faith. And you're frustrated in your life. Maybe it was a job that you didn't get. Maybe it was the uh, children that you weren't able to have. Maybe it was the uh, lifestyle that you thought you would get. It didn't turn out. Maybe when you graduated high school, you were most likely to succeed. And now you're looking at your life thinking, how did I have such high hopes? And now look where I'm at. You are frustrated. And I want to say to you, and I don't mean to be cold or callous. 
it's not faith's fault that you're frustrated. It's not faith's fault. You're frustrated and you think, man, God doesn't care, God doesn't listen. It's not. But one wise preacher said this. He said, you don't need faith when you don't need faith. He said, yeah, I know, I I get that. But you do need faith when you need faith. And right now is a season where you need faith. And it's easy when you feel frustrated to say, what's the point? I've prayed for months, I've prayed for years, and I'm not seeing God work. And so you're frustrated by it, and you don't know what's happening, and you don't know what to do next. And I want to help you with this scripture, two verses, Psalms 127, verse number one. It's powerful, and it's convicting. And it says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And here is my life verse. It is vain to you. It is vain for you to rise up early. Somebody just say amen to that verse. Like it's vain. It's like, why are you getting up early? Like, what is the point? All you early morning risers, the early bird gets the worm. Worms are nasty. They're gross. Unless they're sour patch, it's nasty. I don't know why you like your worms. It is vain for you to rise up early, to set up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. We are all building something this morning, whether it's our faith, our life, our family, our church, our marriage, our business, our our wealth, or our character. We are all building something this morning. Everybody has a construction project happening in your life. Yes, you may not pull permits. You may not have plans. You may not hire an architect. You may not have a civil engineer. You may not get a project manager. But each and every one of us are building something. You're building generational wealth for the next generation. You're trying to build your company. You're trying to build your reputation. You're trying to build your business. You are trying to build in your LinkedIn profile or your TikTok followers, if they're called followers. Every one of us is building something this morning. But in verse number one, it's like, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. And maybe you're thinking, Pastor, I'm not building a house. I know. That's why I love the Hebrew definition and of this word house. Because the word for house is bow now, which literally and figuratively is an all-encompassing word. The word house literally means whatever you're building. It doesn't mean four walls with a chimney and a white picket fence and a nice little door and got some accent and it's got a nice little cute patio with the swing. That's not what he's talking about. And it's not just talking about building God's house, but it can be used for a house. It can be used for building God's house. And it also could be used for building your life. God is saying, unless I am building it, you are wasting your time. And isn't that convicting? Because how much of our life, we work so hard and we just end up so frustrated with the results. You're thinking, I invested so much of my time. I invested so much of my tears. I've been so frustrated. I've really worked hard, and we end up so frustrated. And I love the word here. It says, the word is labor. You ever felt like you've labored over something? Maybe it was a project from your company that you were assigned to, and then somebody else finished it before you, and you lost your job because they took your project, and you had labored on that thing. Well, the word labor is the Hebrew word almal, which means to work severely and with irksomeness. You ever seen that person? They're working hard, but they are so irked by their work. You see them at Target and they're working stock in the shelves and they're mad that you bought something off their shelf. They had a beautiful display and they're like, why did you grab that one? You're like, it's for sale. The point is for you to sell it and get more. That's the point. So don't be bothered that I took it to buy. But there's all those people. Or you come home and one of the husband or the wife is cleaning the floor and you walk on it with your shoes. And they're like, ah, oh, I was cleaning the floor. That's to work hard and with this irksomeness. And maybe that's what your life has been. You feel like, man, I've been trying to build this thing and build this thing. And God says, yeah, and it's all vain. What does vain mean? Empty for not. It's worthless. It's what I call wasted work. And how much of our lives is it just wasted work? 
Edinburgh, Scotland has a coat of arms. And in Edinburgh, Scotland, they also have a motto for the city. And the motto for the city is in Latin. And it's this Latin phrase, Nisi Dominus Frusta. It's from Psalms 127.1. And it literally means this, without the Lord, frustration. And that sums up so much of our life. Without the Lord, frustration. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. What you are building, if you don't have God in on it, it's in vain. If we're trying to build this building and we don't have God in it, it's in vain. If we're trying to build Southridge Church and we don't have God at the center of it, it's in vain. If you are trying to build your marriage and you don't have God in the middle of it, it's in vain. If you're trying to raise up your kids and you don't have God at the center of raising your kids, it's in vain. And that's sad because how many of us, we actually look really successful and we have just enough charisma and talent that people actually assume we do have God. And that's what's the most scary thing to me, is that we are so good nowadays at projecting a form of godliness, but Paul warned us about this, but denying the power thereof. There was a person, he came to church, he said, my kids stopped coming to church because they they see no power there. No dunamis, no working of the Holy Spirit, no life change, no power to break off addictions, to break down strongholds, to break down where the sinner can come and receive that repentance and that conviction of sin. I'm reminded too often that today's Christians look more like heathens, sadly. And we forget that Jesus ate with sinners, but he didn't sin with sinners. And we now live in a culture where we say, well, to reach them, I got to be like them. And that was never what Jesus did. And so now we look at churches and we look at Christians and we think, man, they must really love God. And you can do a great job faking it because I know I can. I know that I can project Christianity like the best of them. I, my dad was a pastor. I, I, I've been around ministry. I can fake it. I know how to say praise the Lord. I even know how to quote out of the old King James Bible. The these and the thous. I can fake Christianity. And nobody will know that it's all empty. But here's when you will know. Because it's like a sandcastle. Oh, it looks good. There's an island outside of Quebec, Canada. They have the annual, it's the world's largest sandcastle competition. The sandcastle has to be a minimum of three feet high to be entered in the competition. Can you imagine a sandcastle with a minimum of three feet high? And they will work for hours and hours and hours building this sandcastle. But what happens to every sandcastle? The ocean comes in and washes it all away. I can work for years and for years trying to build up a church, trying to build up a marriage, trying to build up a family. And if God is not at the center of it, it's like a sandcastle that the tide of this world and this culture will just wash it away like it never happened. And I don't want that for my life and I don't want it for anybody's life here. But we've got to get this principle that except the Lord builds this house, it's in vain. And here's the thing. Only you know if God is at the center of it because most of you here, I believe, are children of God. You've received Christ in your heart. You know that if your name were called today and you were to stand before God, you know that you've received Christ as your Savior. But here's the thing. What we do not know is if Christ is at the center of every decision, every thought, every motive, everything in your life. Is it a reflection of Him? The only way we will know is what the Apostle Paul says. And one day, you're going to stand before that judgment seat. It's not the great white throne judgment, but it's the judgment where God is going to see is it wood, hay, and stubble, or is it gold and precious jewels, and it's all going to be burned away, and then we're going to see what our lives are really made out of. We're going to see what's really there, and I'm afraid our churches have created a brand of Christianity and created us that we can labor. I heard one pastor say, hey, if somebody's in my church and they're not serving, I say this to them, if you ain't helping, you ain't helping, and I was like, Mm, I kind of get it, but do you really want somebody that really just fakes Christianity? Because they're actually doing more harm than good. They're not helping. Yeah, they're busy. And here's the word. They're laboring in vain. It's wasted work. What does that mean? It's this effort. It's human effort. I love uh, Luke 5, 4 through 6. The Bible says, when he had finished speaking, this is Jesus. He said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets and catch some fish. And then Simon Peter says, master, we've worked hard all last night. We've labored all last night and we caught nothing. 
We caught nothing. That's your life and that's my life. We worked at raising these kids. We worked on our marriages. We worked on our ministries. We worked at our career only to get fired, only to have a separation, only to have the kids rebel, only to have our wealth stripped from us. We worked so hard and we look back on our life and we get frustrated with our faith. And we're just like Peter when Jesus says, go out and catch some fish. And it's Jesus. Do you not see how hard I've been working? And then Jesus says, go out again. And we have to say with Peter, Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net again. I'll go back out there. But this time, I'm not going on my authority. I'm going on the authority of God. I've got God in the center of this boat. That's what's changed. It's Jesus at the center. And the Bible tells us they caught such a great catch of fish, they called for their friend's boat. Come on over and help us get this catch of fish. You see, when God is involved, all things are possible. But if we do it on our own effort, that's all we get, our effort. And some of us have more effort and energy. But we've got to say, Lord, it's not about human effort. You say, well, be more efficient. We live in the Silicon Valley. It's all about efficiency, is it not? Everything's about efficiency. They try, they, this is the technical term many of you are f- familiar with. Let's make life less frictionless. Let's make it easier. Because it's too hard for you to punch your code in on your phone. Hold your phone up to your face. And you don't even have to punch in the buttons. It just unlocks. Because we want to make life frictionless. We want to have more efficiency. And so you get more efficient, more effort. But God says it's still vain. What we need is Holy Ghost effectiveness, not effort, not efficiency. It's about effectiveness. How effective is your Christian life? Are you seeing sins and habits, getting victory over them? Are you seeing victory in your life? Or are you just working hard and it's not working? How many of us are just tired of working hard and to see it not working? We've got to come to the end of ourselves. We say, I'm done working hard. God, I'm tired of just beating my head up against this wall. Lord, there's got to be another way. And God comes in and says, yes, there is another way. And we've got to follow his way. Zechariah 4, 6 says, "Uh, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Our effort is no match for the Holy Spirit effectiveness. We need God at the center of this thing. You know, today, what if we all took a little trip and we all went out to the land and I just start handing out a hammer and a shovel and then I give you keys to a backhoe and I give some of you a bag of cement and I give some of you some pipe and some of you some electrical cords and I give some of you some uh, chairs and I give some of you some nursery equipment and I give some of you some two by fours and some headers and I give you some outlets and I give you some uh, power tools and say, all right, we're going to build the church. That'd be exciting, right? Some of you are like, yeah, man. Most of us are only good for one thing, and that's demo. We can tear it down, but we can't build it up. And then one of you would be like, hey, hey, pastor, you'd, you'd be really, really kind. You'd be like, hey, I, I love the energy in this room. I love the effort that we're about. I mean, some of you got brand new boots on. Some got brand new gloves because you never worked a hard day in your life. I mean, you work hard, but not like this hard. And all of a sudden, one of you is like, can I see some blueprints? And I look at you and say, blueprints. Nah, you don't need blueprints. Come on, just do the thing. Just just, just put that there and screw that in there and plug that there and then then paint it. It's good. It's a building. You'd be like, that is ludicrous. That is the dumbest idea. We need blueprints. My friend, you need blueprints for life. You need direction for your life. You need a plan and some prints where you say, hey, this is how we're going to build this thing. What is your blueprint for your life this morning? What are you looking to to build on? Because God tells us in his word, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What are you looking to to build the house that you're working on? The marriage you want, the church you want, the business you want. What blueprints are you looking to? Because God gave us a set of blueprints. God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And it's found in his word. But so often, we neglect this word. God gives us the truths that we need. And he helps us to know. And without God's word, we don't know what we're building. We don't know how to build it. I don't know how to build a marriage. I don't know how to raise three kids. I don't know how to see the church grow and thrive in a healthy way. I don't know how to stay humble and right with God without this book. This is my blueprints. And so many of us, we're like the dad on Christmas Eve. And it's, you get the, the bicycle in the box and all the kids are asleep. And you're like, I don't need instructions. I'll assemble this bike. And then at 4.30 in the morning, 
you finally got something that resembles a bicycle and you quickly hide the box and then you get rid of the box. You didn't read the instructions and you look at all these leftover parts and pieces. And you say, ah, it's like an appendix. Oh, we don't know what it does. We don't know what it was before. They'll be fine. They get on their bike, they make it a couple turns and the whole thing falls apart and they're crying on Christmas day and it's all your fault because you didn't look at the blueprints. And some of us are like, I don't know why my marriage didn't make it. I don't like my ministry didn't make it. I don't know why my business didn't make it because you're not doing it by the book. And I know it seems old fashioned. I know there's some things that just seem like, well, really, do I go to God's word? Yes, we go to God's word. God's word has the wisdom that we need for everything in our lives. Acts 5 verse 38. There was a wise man by the name of Gamaliel. And he was talking to the Pharisees about what to do with this new movement of Christians. And he was saying to the Pharisees, he said, And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For this plan or this work is of men, it'll come to nothing. It's a sandcastle. Verse 39. But if it is of God... You cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. You see, if God didn't start it, the devil will finish it. There's a whole lot of things that God didn't start, and we really love to say, well, God told me this, and I'm doing this. We love to throw God's name out there. But if God didn't start it, the devil will finish in your life. But the inverse is also true. If God did start it, the devil cannot finish it. If God started that relationship, he will finish it. If God started the church, he will finish it. And let me just tell you, God did start this church. You say, how do you know? Because we should not still be here. I've made way too many mistakes. I've had too many goof-ups, mess-ups, and hang-ups. I all but killed this church myself single-handedly because I didn't know what I was doing. I'm a little Baptist boy from a very fundy background where I wasn't even allowed to go to a movie theater ever. First time I went to a movie theater is when we started the church in a movie theater. It's crazy. My wife cried when I said, I think you should wear pants. She said, oh, pants? And some of you are looking at me like, what world are you from? You saw some Netflix documentary. You're like, I think you're from that. It's about that crazy. And I was thinking, man, what are we going to do in this new church? So people send me hymnals. We're in a theater. What are we going to do with hymnals? I mean, we did everything wrong and funny. There's a mega church in Livermore. They run 15,000. 15,000. Okay? You're like, where's that? I'm gonna... It's Livermore. It's not, you don't want to drive that far. All right? But they heard we were a church in a movie theater, and that was new, and that was cool. So they sent a team to go watch our church plant and to learn from our church plant. They brought 27 volunteers that day. That was our highest attendance for the year. I was like, yes. It was the best sermon I had preached that entire year because we actually had some people. It wasn't just me, Rod, and Laura. It was like, hey, there's other people in this room. Yes, somebody else to preach to. Man, I preached my heart and soul out. And then afterward, we had planned to go to lunch and I, they were going to ask me questions. You know, I was going to sit there and pontificate about how to do things. And then I met them in the lobby and they were like, well, can you show us our sound system? I was like, yeah, I'll show you our sound system. It was a little eight channel, mini little analog board. And they were like, that's it? I was like, yeah. They were like, we have that in our nurseries. Oh, oh, excuse me. They were like, do you have a wireless mic? No, I got this little karaoke mic that I run the cable and I got to stay close to it. I was like, we got nothing. The theater was lit so bad, I went to Target. I bought floor lamps to light the theater, and I put those in the corner because we didn't have any way to light it. We were a mess, a hot mess. We never should have made it, but God started it, and by the glory of God, he's continuing it, and you're here. And we've seen hundreds and hundreds of people come through and get saved and baptized, and to the glory of God, this church that shouldn't have made it has now bought six acres of land in Silicon Valley. My friend, God is working here. I, I hear pastors say, oh, God is about to do something. God is not about to do anything. You say, whoa, heresy. No, hear me out. When Jesus said, it is finished, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father, he's sitting down. He's doing no more work. But he sent the Holy Spirit inside of you and me. So it's up to you and me with the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work. 
Stop saying, oh, God's about to do this. No, 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 no. He put the Holy Spirit inside of you. Now you get to work. You get to work on your hang up and your habits. You get to work on reaching your neighbor. You get to work on loving this city. You get to work on building your business. You get to work on raising your kids. That's you. The Holy Spirit's inside of you. Jesus is up there. The Holy Spirit's down here. And he's working through you and in you. And it's not effort. It's not efficiency. It's effective when the Holy Spirit's doing it. And God is building something that the devil can't finish. I don't have a lot of time. Can you hang with me five minutes? I got one more thing I need to give to you. Because some of you are like, okay, I get it. I'm fired up. I, I want to see a house built. Some of you don't even own a house, but you're going to go to Lowe's and Home Depot and buy lumber. You're, you're like, man, if the homeless people could do it, I'm going to find some land. I'm going to do it. You know? I'm, you know? It's all good. I know what some of you are thinking, though. Pastor, I get it. Faith, you're going to work. You want to do something, but God, I just, I, I just don't know. I've been waiting so long, so long, and it's hard. And I want to give you this third and final point. When I suddenly come suddenly. A wise preacher once told me it takes God a long time to work suddenly. It takes God a long time to work suddenly. And sometimes he just works suddenly. I got to go back one verse. We're in Psalms 27, verse number one, but it's Psalms 127 is connected to Psalms 126. Verse number one, one verse, I want to share it with you. It's this, when uh, it says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them who dream. They have just spent all this time in captivity, in Babylonian captivity. They're coming back to Israel and they just thought, we're never going to be free. And what this verse is saying, all of a sudden it just happened. It was like a dream. It was like God just did it. You know, you're going to work and you're going to work. You're going to work. And you're like, God, is this ever going to happen? And one day God's just going to show up suddenly. Suddenly he's going to do something. Suddenly God is just going to break forth. Suddenly. There is a day when the dream does come true. The word suddenly appears 87 times in the Bible. But I love that they were waiting for God. There was a prophecy in Joel chapter number two. And that's in the Old Testament. 400 years later. You come to Acts chapter number two, and the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. 400 years, and then suddenly, God does it. You know, I know that there's going to be challenges. I know there's going to be setbacks, but understand that God can work suddenly in a moment. When we just say, all right, God, I'm going to be faithful. And God just says, okay, I'm going to do something sudden in your life. If you've been waiting a long time on something, I want you to pray and begin praying. Say, God, I've been waiting on this. Can my suddenly happen now? Can my suddenly happen today? I know some of you, you've been praying a long time for spouses to be saved, jobs to come through, finances to come through, church buildings to be built, our city to be one to Christ. Have you ever asked God and said, God, I know I can just keep waiting, but God, can my suddenly happen suddenly? Can I get it now? It's not because you're entitled. It's not because you're from that microwave generation. It's not because you need it, drive through fast food, need it my way. Not that. You're just saying, God, could I? Because he's a good father and he loves us. And because you know what Mark 9, 23 says, Jesus said, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes, and you say, I believe, and all things are possible, and I'm gonna believe that my suddenly can happen. You see, it's not faith's fault, but what about this belief? You say, but pastor, I don't have enough faith. I feel you on that one. I'm gonna give you a scripture, Romans chapter number 12, verse number three. Scripture says, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You know what a measure means? It means the same proportion amount. Let's say it's one cup. God said, I gave everybody the same. Think about that for a second. Moses and you had the same amount of faith. And Moses split the Red Sea. Water from a rock. Manna from heaven. Moses didn't get more faith than you got. Let's do another one. Any Bible character, you pick them. Elijah fire from heaven he didn't get more faith than you got he had the same because my bible tells me he's given to each a measure of faith that's the same measure 
I have just as much faith as any apostle, as any prophet, as anybody in the past. And so do you, my friend. So you may feel like my faith is not enough, but understand God gave you the exact same amount as everybody else. And God is saying that faith is enough. Just the faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. You can say to that mountain, be removed, and that mountain will remove. We've got to come back to this church. We've got to come back to what the scripture is teaching us. That's why you got to get in this Bible and be reminded that, wait a minute, I, I feel fear where faith should be, and I need that faith to be there. One more scripture. Jesus said in Mark 11, have faith in God. But better translators has the, have the faith of God. God said, hey, you have that faith, the faith of God in your life. That's what God wants to see. You say, how do I build this and it not be in vain? Faith in God. That's what we need this morning. And then God begins to build something that the devil can't destroy. Untouchable. Worship team, would you come to the stage and can we all stand? I thank you for an extra five minutes. What I want to do is we haven't done it for a long time is while they play an invitation song, I want to open up the altar. And if you need to come forward and just pray or you want somebody to pray with you, I'll be here. I'll pray with you. But as our worship team plays and sings and leads us in one final song, I believe that are frustrated, that we say, you know what, I'm going to come back. I'm going to find what God wants for me. And this is going to be your moment. Can we have heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment? Heavenly Father, would you do a work that I can't do? Holy Spirit, go up and down these rows. Holy Spirit, see to every heart. Holy Spirit, wherever there's fear, would you grab it and would you remove it and make space for faith? Would you give them a space where that faith will germinate and take root and grow strong again? It took some people here everything they had to make it to church today. And God, their fear is fighting against everything that they want to see built in their life. And God, we just pray that you would do what only you can do. As the worship team plays, I'm going to invite you to slip out of your seat and to find your way to the front. And you pray, or you can make an altar of your seat. And you pray right there. And you say, God, give me a fresh anointing. God, God, speak to me. Give me something that I need. Help me to build. I don't want to build in vain. I don't want my work wasted. Or maybe you need to pray, God, can my suddenly happen suddenly? Worship team. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.